Have you ever wondered how to overcome the self-comparison trap? You're constantly reminded of what your body used to be like and it's discouraging. Or what about self-sabotage? Do you ever self-sabotage your workouts intentionally creating your own obstacles so they don't happen? Or perhaps you get stuck on meal planning because you're constantly crunched for time. Well, if you struggle with any of these issues and more, then you are in luck because today on this episode, Scott and I are diving into the mailbag and answering listener questions. We're talking all about exercise headaches, tips for a cranky digestive system, meal planning made easy, body dysmorphia, and more. Let's get going. Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey friend, welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. I am back with my co-host and husband extraordinaire, Scott. Hey everybody. (laughs) And drum roll, please. We are doing an Ask Me Anything episode. This is everybody's absolute favorite. This is always so much fun. These are your favorites too. I know, I picked it as my favorite on our uh, 2020 year in review. I know, so here we are, Scott. This is all for you. This is for you. This is why we're doing this. This is just for you. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, we're tackling your questions as the listener. And this is always a listener favorite because it's such a grab bag of topics. We really cover a lot of ground on these episodes. And a few weeks ago on Instagram, I asked you for your burning questions and you showed up. Now, listen, if you didn't see that, if you don't follow me on Instagram, then you totally missed this opportunity to have your questions answered on the podcast. So don't let that happen again. (laughs) Hit it up on the gram. Hit it up on the gram. So get yourself over to Instagram and you got to follow me at strong underscore mamas. And you'll be ready for the next time I do an Ask Me Anything episode because we really try to do these about once a quarter. They're pretty fun. Why are you looking at me like that? You don't, you would do them every week if we could. Yeah, it's great content. It's good stuff. Okay. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we are covering a lot of ground on this topic on this episode. So we're going to be talking about everything from exercise headaches to digestive systems to getting discouraged with comparison and self-sabotaging and a lot more. So I'm going to do my best to stay on track and get to as many of your questions as I can. And Scott, your job is to keep me on track. Can you do that? I've been trying for 15 years, baby. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. What's our first question? Who's it from? What are we talking about? So the first question comes from Katrina, who asks, how to prevent and treat exercise headaches? And the answer is, exercise is a headache. Don't work out. Oh my gosh. You're not a help. Oh, I'm not supposed to answer. No, you're not supposed to. This is not an Ask Scott Anything episode. (laughs) Maybe that's what we should do this time. You give us your answer, and then I will follow it up (laughs) with my answer. All right, Katrina. So you're asking about 
like exercise induced headaches. So what do you do? How to pre- how do you prevent and treat them? So there are actually two different types of exercise induced headaches. So there's the one that's more muscular, which feels like it's kind of this full scalp headache and it comes on after a workout. Sometimes it can kind of feel like it's down in the neck and the shoulders too. And the most common cause of this type of headache is just super tense upper shoulders and neck muscles during your workout. Part of that could be because you're just gripping your muscles too hard. And when you wrap your hands really hard around the weights, it transfers tension all the way up the arms, all the way into your shoulders, into your neck muscles, and sometimes up into your scalp muscles. And another issue could be you're overcompensating while you're lifting. So when you're holding your weights or pushing them around, you are using your neck muscles, you're shrugging too much, okay? So you're kind of compensating using improper muscles to make the motion happen. Scott, do you do this? Why are you giggling over there? Because you're talking about overcompensating during exercise, and I feel like I'm always overcompensating (laughs) while doing exercise, trying to keep up with the workouts you give me. (laughs) Scott's got a lot of tension headaches from exercising. All right, what's the prevention for this type of a headache? Because I told you there's another kind of headache, and we'll get to that in a second. But if you have more of this like muscular scalp type of headache and it feels like it travels down your neck and into your shoulders, the prevention from this is to use lighter weights. Don't use something that's so heavy because when you have a really, really heavy weight, you could be overcompensating and gripping it too hard just to hold on to it. Also try focus on relaxing your shoulders while you're holding those weights and maybe even while you're in a plank position. Sometimes when we're in that plank position, we tend to shrug our shoulders or let kind of get into that turtleneck motion where your neck kind of disappears because you're using your upper neck muscles a lot to hold and stabilize you when in fact you should be using your shoulder blade muscles, those scapular stabilizers, it's really important. So avoid work on avoiding shrugging your shoulders. Have a really light grip on the dumbbells. So use a hook grip whenever possible. So we're just, you're not wrapping your entire hand around the dumbbell. Just wrap your fingertips around it and that will really help. And then as you're training, hold a neutral head posture. Try to not push your head forward, push your chin forward. If you're in a plank position, don't look up. Try to keep your head in line with your spine and that's really gonna help. And then, okay, let's say you do have this tension style headache. What do you do to treat it? A great thing to do is ask your husband for a massage. Get a back rub. And when that doesn't work out. (laughs) Doesn't work out very often in this house. Pull out your foam roller. (laughs) And foam rolling is sometimes really painful at first, but it is like a deep tissue massage. And what it can do is it can really release that tension and kind of tell those muscles to stop contracting, to let go, to relax, and kind of redirect the contraction. Um, Another good idea is to just stretch all around your shoulders and your neck. Do some good upper trap stretches, maybe even preemptively after your workout. If you frequently get these kinds of headaches, just do them ahead of time, even if you don't feel the headache yet. And then 
also working on building up the strength of your scapular stabilizers. We do that a lot in the Strong Mamas coaching program and in all my other training is working on strengthening around your shoulder blades, kind of those those good posture muscles that keep your shoulder blades sitting in the right position so you're not shrugging. So that's that first type of headache where it's more this like muscular tension. Another really common type of exercise-induced headache is a dehydration-style headache. So this feels more internal, like a regular headache. And most common cause of this is just a good electrolyte balance. You probably realize this, you know, you're, you could be dehydrated or maybe you're drinking enough water, but your electrolytes are not balanced very well. So good prevention and treatment for this is drinking an electrolyte replacement beverage during and after your workout. So something like Gatorade or um, you can get electrolyte tablets and that can help too. So I would definitely start with that if it's that kind of workout and that should really help. Okay, there we go. What's our next question, Scott? Moving on, Lydia asks, what are some holistic ways to get your digestive system on track? Ooh, this is a good question. So issues with a digestive system are very multifaceted and it can vary from something as simple as just eating the wrong things on a regular basis to something as complicated as like irritable bowel syndrome or celiac disease or food allergies, which I am not going to tackle on this episode or ever, really. We don't have enough time we don't have or enough time. expertise. And I mean, for our purposes here, I think it's better to just assume the simplest situation because I'm not... I'm just not in a position or even the profession to diagnose a digestive issue. And without talking to you more, Lydia, I'm not quite sure exactly what's going on, but let's just assume that it's just a simple situation. So I can give you some pointers on how to create just the best environment in your digestive system to start with. So a healthy digestive system needs both probiotics and prebiotics. You've probably heard of these two terms. Scott, are you familiar with these two things, pre and probiotics? I'm very antibiotic. You're oh, you're antibiotic. Yeah, that's a whole nother can of worms on that one. <laughs> okay. So probiotics, these are actually little bugs. These are live microorganisms, little bacteria. You got billions and billions of these in your gut. And they're bacteria or they can be yeast and they keep your digestive tract healthy. And these types of organisms can be found in fermented foods like um, yogurt or kefir or kombucha, even like sauerkraut and kimchi. So all kind of the, the sour fermented types of foods have these live bacteria organisms in them. And they're very healthy for your digestive tract. What about pickles? Mm, depends on how long it's been fermented. Some of them do, but not all. Because sometimes sometimes pickles are pickled using just vinegar for like a day, and that doesn't necessarily have the fermentation, like the bacteria in there that you're that we're talking about here. After probiotics, we've got prebiotics. And these are what those little microorganisms eat. So these are fiber-rich foods like produce and whole grains and legumes that actually feed your gut bacteria and induce them to have more activity. So 
You don't necessarily need to know everything about pre and probiotics, but you do need to know that having a good amount of both of them keeps your gut healthy. Was there something you wanted to say, Scott? No, it's just funny. I'm thinking about this. I'd never thought about yeast being in your stomach as well. Yeah. And then you had grains and that's the prerequisite to start making beer. So I just am wondering (laughs) if beer is being made in my stomach. I don't really know what to say about that. I think you can just keep thinking that and just go with it. See, I think this is why we need an Ask Scott Anything. Oh, an Ask Scott Anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. So big takeaway, you need pre and probiotics in the form of fiber-rich foods and fermented foods. Another thing is that a healthy digestive system also needs plenty of water. Okay. So if you are dehydrated, you are not going to feel good with your gut, okay? So here's my recommendation for you, Lydia. I recommend that you eat at least one serving daily of something that has live cultures in it. So something like I mentioned, that probiotic type food. And then work on eating fresh produce at every meal and especially lots of leafy greens. And then work on drinking plenty of water. See if you can do that consistently for a couple weeks and just notice if your digestive system starts to feel a little little bit better. And then the things to avoid would be processed foods, period. (laughs) Especially processed carbs and processed meats. Um, They tend to be really high in sugars, which feed yeast, but not in a good way. And um, so processed foods, they're just not very good on your gut at all. So hopefully that's helpful for you, Lydia. All right, Summer has our next question. Scott, what is that? Summer asks, (laughs) what's the best advice for a mom who struggles with the amount of time it takes to plan ahead to eat healthy? All right, what... Let's ask Scott. Scott, what is your answer to this? Is to limit your choices so you don't get decision mm-hmm. fatigue. We've mm-hmm. talked about this one before. That's why it's, I have a little bit of an idea. Oh, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the best advice is to limit your choices and follow my 3337 rule, which sounds ridiculous. Nice. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I came up with this and I'm like, there's a lot of threes. Three, three, three. Sounds like three, a three, number. Three. <laughs> no, seriously. Three, 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 seven rule. It's probably someone's pin. And, and the rule is, so I want you to make sure that you're eating every meal of the day, right? So breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack at some point in there. So let's take the breakfast, the lunch, and the snack pieces and just come up with three choices for each of those meals. That's it. Like sit down with a pen and paper, write out three options for each meal. Those are your three go-tos. You're not going to deviate from those. That's it. For dinner, this is the seven. Come up with seven dinner choices. You can rotate through those, okay? So if you just sit down and take five minutes to do the three, 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 seven, you're going to feel so much more prepared. And seriously, don't be fancy with these. These should not be meals that require a lot of prep time, a lot of fancy ingredients, maybe very, very minimal ingredients, in fact, and try to be as simple as possible, but see if you can fit them into our healthy habits of making sure that they have protein and produce with each one. And then every time you go to the grocery store, shop for the exact same things because you know that your meals are the same three breakfasts, the same three lunches, same three on and on, you know, you get what I'm saying here. So 
try to limit your choices. Now, if you're someone that really does like to cook, that's where dinner can maybe expand a little bit more to more than just the seven, but at least start there. And then another thing that I recommend for you, Summer, is to spend 10 minutes after you grocery shop and do a little bit of food prep work just when you get your groceries home, okay? So this can go a long ways to help you out. So spend some time maybe hard boiling some eggs, like a dozen eggs, and that's, there you go. There's some protein right there for breakfasts or lunches or even your snacks. Um, And then spend a little bit of time just chopping up your veggies, putting them in a large, easily accessible container, um, or even just individual baggies. And that can really, really help to kind of streamline your meal prepping process. So great question, Summer. Hopefully that was helpful. All right, next question, Scott. What do we got? This one comes from Erica. How do you overcome the discouragement of knowing the physical level of where you used to be versus where you're at now, whether that's due to injury, life stuff, motherhood, etc. getting right. older. Getting older. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> Let's throw this at you, Scott. What do you, what do you say to this one? This is now we're getting into like some deep deeper conversations. I mean, I think it's just realizing you're not going to have the body you once had, but that doesn't mean you still can't be strong. That that's good. In a nutshell, there we go. We're going to put that up on board somewhere and and play with people your own age (laughs) swipe play over 30 soccer you're almost an over 40 soccer i will just i can't wait when you're the youngest (laughs) it's the best yeah so erica this can certainly be really discouraging when you've been in really great shape before and for whatever reason your body just isn't there now whether it's from injury or life or just getting old. So what's going on here is that you're most likely playing the comparison game with yourself. You're comparing your present body to a body you used to have in the past. And because of that, you're kind of living in the past and grieving over something that used to be. And what comes to my mind, do you remember Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Who's Uncle? Is it Uncle Rico? It's Uncle Rico. Yeah. Remember? Throw he, the ball over those mountains. I know. So he's like this old guy and he's still living in the past of like his glory days of high school and he's still trying to be that person he once was and it's just tragic it's really sad so we can sometimes do kind of a version of that with ourselves, where we're just like living in this person that we once were and we're doing everything we can to try to get that back but the problem is that anytime you play the comparison game whether that's with your own body or with someone else's body It could completely rob you of any joy and blessings that you might have in the present. You know, the blessings of playing with people your own age. (laughs) And honestly, it's also going to prevent you from moving forward effectively. So what I want you to do is to stop and realize that God has you right where you're at right now for a very specific reason. He's probably showing you that in your own human strength, Just left to your own devices, you're actually quite weak and fragile. And he's most likely wanting to teach you how to stop relying on your own physical capabilities and begin relying on him to fill in the gaps. And the verse that really comes to my mind is in 2 Corinthians 12. And these are, this is verses 7 through 10. This is Paul talking. And this is when he's talking about like his thorn in the flesh. 
He says, in order to keep me from being from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Scott, you and I, we were talking about that verse just the other day. I think just I think we all have moments where we recognize our own inadequacies and just kind of where we get to the end of ourselves, whether that's like a physical end, like what Eric is experiencing or just this mental end of our own capacity to handle whatever's going on in the moment. But it's really in those moments of weaknesses where we recognize like, okay, this is an opportunity for God to show up and get really big and powerful when I am at my weakest. Oh, I mean, I think that's a super good reminder Yeah, is it's, we're not God. We are going to fall short of that. And whatever that weakness happens to be, it's okay because that allows room for God to step in. If yeah. we were closer to perfect, I always think about this. If I was a professional athlete or was extremely a savant at something, yeah, would I still have ever turned towards God? Mm-hmm. Like would I have realized my needs? Thankfully, God gave me lots of things that I fall short in, (laughs) so it makes it easier for me to turn to him for help. Lots of deficiencies. How wonderful. (laughs) Okay, so Erica, next what I want you to do is to think about moving forward with the raw materials that you do have right now. And like just Scott, like Scott just said, these raw materials will never be perfect, and they never have been. So even if you're looking back at where you used to be, your body wasn't perfect then it might have felt better in some ways but there were still things that you were struggling with then but I need you to see that you are still capable of accomplishing quite a bit even now so I want you to work on celebrating every little victory that you might encounter today and start to feel hopeful in anticipation about something new something new that might be coming down like move forward keep your eyes moving forward rather than looking back And just remember that very often injuries and setbacks lead us to be even stronger than we ever were before. I was recently talking to my brother about this, who has had a lot of surgeries. He's, he's a little crazy. In two years, he's had an Achilles and an ACL. He ripped his reconstruction. Yeah. Torn Achilles, which ow, um, torn ACL and MCL and ripped up meniscus and multiple other surgeries in the past. And we were talking over the holidays and he was telling me like, yeah, from physical therapy, like my knee is probably stronger now than it's ever been because of all the therapy I've been through. And Scott, you've had ACL reconstruction in your knee. I know you feel hesitant with it at times, but it's pretty darn darn strong actually. Yeah, definitely. And what this conversation makes me think of is how often... I look at a picture that's taken of me, mm-hmm. like a family picture, whatever it is, or out, and I look at it and I start to pick apart things and oh, I'm just yeah. annoyed by it. But then I get three years down the road and I look back and I go, wow, that was great. What was I upset about then? And I yeah. think that we can get in this mindset of like, things are always either 
used to be better or going to be better instead yeah. of like enjoying where we're at and embracing where we're at and i think it's really easy to do that yeah i have this picture of like the goalposts just keep moving like just keep moving a little further out of reach like we never feel like we're we're crossing a finish line or reaching a goal and that's why it's so important to just stop and celebrate your victories right now because right where you're at you have plenty of things to celebrate i know that you do all right. Awesome question. Okay, Scott, what is our very next question? Well, the next one comes from Adrian, and I think it's closer, closely related to what we were just talking about. She says, I struggle with body dysmorphia, and I could really use some mindset help. Scott, what say you? <laughs> I got nothing on this one. You know, okay, you're going to defer. I'm going to defer to All the right. expert. All right, so let's start with, okay, by the way, Adrian, this is an excellent question and you, you're definitely not alone and I'm glad you had the courage to bring this up and put this out there. It's so good. So body dysmorphia, it's actually a mental health disorder in which you can't stop thinking about one or more defects or flaws in your appearance in your appearance. So maybe a flaw that appears very minor or literally can't even be seen by others. So you are you get fixated on something about your body that you think is wrong, but nobody else can see it. And it's just this like false impression of who you actually are. And essentially you kind of see yourself or your body specifically as flawed and completely different from the reality of what it actually is. And I know that the term mental health disorder makes it sound really bad and scary, but to be honest, I think most women battle with this to some degree. And I'll just use myself as a simple example because I've struggled with this too. And I know that, you know, right now we're kind of a few weeks after the holidays and sometimes you come through the holidays and you feel like you did not eat very well and I know I've felt that way and I didn't do very many workouts and you end up feeling kind of super bloated and miserable and you just assume that everyone else can see exactly what I see and what I feel in my body. I'm like, man, all right, I'm way, I gained a ton of weight. I'm, I'm way bigger than I should be. And you know, all these feelings that we, we see or perceive, but in reality, my body composition hasn't changed at all. And my weight has barely fluctuated. And if it has, it's probably just a little bit of water weight. So, but the, but the truth of the matter is that what I see in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, put clothes on is someone that perhaps has gotten fat and now needs to do something about it. So that's kind of how that body dysmorphia conversation in your mind kind of plays out. So here's what I recommend with this. Um, you know, apart from like working through this with a counselor, which I highly recommend, like if this is something that you really do struggle with on a deep level, like rather than just like, hey, from time to time, you know, I struggle with this. But if this has been a burden for a long time, really pursue this. Let's get to the bottom of it. But let's start here, too. I want you to assume that your thoughts are actually flawed. Instead of pouring your energy into not trusting your body and assuming that your body is flawed, stop trusting your own thoughts. Don't give your thoughts as much weight as you have 
given them before. I come back to what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand that? And, but just before that passage, it says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So if you're putting your confidence in what your thoughts are saying or telling you and not in the Lord, you won't be blessed by that. And and you're going to kind of be struggling with this backwards thinking about yourself. So I need you to assume that the thing that's actually flawed is not your body, but your thoughts. So a good way to go about this is to just start by being honest and open with your most trusted friends, like your inner circle. And talk about what flaws you feel like you have in your body. And then ask for real feedback on what they say and what they see. And then I need you to believe them, which is really challenging. And this is not for, you're not fishing for compliments here. I don't want you to do this like, hey, tell me what you think is great about my body. Like, I, you need to hear the truth and the reality of who you are as a person, both physically and your character traits and spiritually. Well, and to me, it comes back also to the picture conundrum. Yeah. I think about this a lot because yep. that's when I feel like I judge myself the most. Most of the rest of the time, I barely look in a mirror, so I don't think about it. <laughs> but don't laugh that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I think about when I look at a photo and it might just be me. But when I see a group photo, the first person I look at is me. And the first things I look at are the things I don't like about myself. Totally. And how much we notice those things, whereas nobody else is looking at those. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention. And the things that we worry about and obsess about sometimes, at the end of the day, often don't really matter. And I just think it's important to remember that. For sure. And I think if you can have an open, honest conversation with the people that are closest to you, the ones that you trust, the ones that you trust their opinion, and you know that they're going to say, they're going to tell you the truth, start there. Because I know we all do that in one way or another. You know, we look at a photo of ourselves and we're like, ugh, ew, you know. But if we ask, like, Scott, if I were to ask you, like, do I look fat in this photo? Or like, what do I look like? You, You would not. I would see something totally different and I need to trust and believe what you tell me. And that's the challenge is actually believing them and assuming that my thinking is flawed. Another thing that could be really helpful for you too, Adrian, is getting to know your own body type too. I find that this is extremely helpful for anyone that's struggling with their own body image. So learning about whether you're an ectomorph, a mesomorph, or an endomorph, and discovering what the true genetic components of each type are can be really helpful. And just knowing, okay, how did God design you? He did not design you to be 
an ectomorph. He designed you to be an endomorph. So when you look at yourself, you need to see yourself as an endomorph, as someone who has been built to be strong and powerful and capable of being the strongest person in the room. And you need to see yourself as that or vice versa. You know, when you look at yourself in a picture or in the mirror, like recognize, okay, God designed me as a fill in the blank. But if you don't know what he created you to be, you feel like you're all over the map and you have a hard time just like pinning it down of what your body has been created to be. So this is really helpful when you're feeling very low about your body image, just reminding yourself of your design and how he created you to be. Hey friend, I wanted to just cut in here real quick to check on you to see if you've been struggling with your body, maybe in the same ways that I have in the past. Are you struggling to come to grips with the way God designed you? Or maybe you're just confused as to how he designed you. Or are you struggling with dialing in your workouts? You've been spending years maybe trying to run, but it's such a fight because your body was never designed to excel at running. Or maybe you've been wondering why on earth you can't build any muscle mass or how. Perhaps you've been even been struggling with your nutrition and eating habits. You've got a friend that feels really great when she cuts out all her carbs, but you feel miserable and feel like you have zero energy or vice versa. You can't even look at a carb without feeling like you put on five pounds. Here's the thing. God designed you with a unique body type or somatotype that determines the way your metabolism works, the type of exercises that suit you best, and even the types of foods that jive with your body best. And until you know how God designed you, you'll be left wondering what's going on and why your efforts aren't working. So I want to invite you to come take a free quiz that I put together that will help you find out your unique body type, your design. It's totally free and only takes a few minutes, but the knowledge and clarity that you walk away with are amazing. So head on over to bodytype.io. That's bodytype.io to take the quiz. I can't wait for you to see what you are. And since you love listening to this podcast so much, we have done podcasts on the different body types too. Yeah, we totally have. Yeah. A singular podcast on each body type, really digging deep into the unique strengths and the weaknesses. And yeah, it's really eye-opening. So make sure you go back and check those out. Okay. Another thing that's helpful is realizing that this is not just a battle of the mind. This, this goes deep. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that phrase in there, the knowledge of God, this is the truth of who you are in Christ and the reality of how wonderfully and marvelously designed your body is. And the spiritual battle here is demolishing the strongholds and the internal arguments that tell you otherwise. So ruminate on that passage and we'll make sure to have that link in the show notes to, to that reference in scripture, but just understanding like, okay, the true knowledge of God, this is the truth of who you are in Christ and the reality of how wonderfully and marvelously designed your body is. I love that. Okay, Scott, 
Next question. All right. Our last question today mm-hmm. comes from either Rainy or Renee. I'm sorry. Now I know how you feel with trying to pronounce people's names. <laughs> but more importantly, she asks, I struggle with self-sabotage in relation to exercise. I'd love help getting through. Good question. Scott, what say you? Well, you know me in exercise, so... (laughs) I think you self-sabotage a lot. You probably have some insight here. Probably. Are your ears perking? You're waiting for me to answer this because you're like, how can I stop self-sabotaging? Well, I actually don't mind self-sabotaging. You don't care. uh... Okay. So here's the deal with self-sabotaging. What it is, is basically you are intentionally getting in your own way. You are your own obstacle or barrier to following through. It's knowing what needs to be done, but then intentionally doing something to prevent you from making it happen. It's basically pure avoidance. I'm really good at this. Yeah, like an expert. I can always find something else to do. So it can be in the form of like procrastination, maybe like a doubt about, oh, I don't I don't know what to do. Or maybe just a fear of being uncomfortable. Perhaps you just end up scheduling something else instead. Like, oh, whoops, I happened to schedule something else instead of doing my workout. Oh, no. That's or self-sabotaging. The, or the top of the television needs to be dusted right now. Right now. I don't have time to go work out. Super important. Maybe I could come up with a few more if I had to. I feel like, when have you ever dusted the top of the television? I'm holding on to that one in case I need to skip a workout <laughs> In case you need up. to use it. All right, so here's the deal with self-sabotaging. You've got to face it head on. Call it what it is. We often let it slide in the moment, just failing to recognize what it is that we're doing. So I suggest that you even say it out loud. Say, all right, I'm self-sabotaging right now and I don't wanna be a self-sabotager anymore. I'm done letting that determine my actions. Okay, so call it out. And then what you need to do is have a concrete action plan and make it as specific as possible. Because if you're just winging it with your workouts, And with your plans in general, you're more likely to skip. And I know that happens to you a lot, Scott, because you're like, Megan, I need a workout to do. And I'm like, I don't have one put together for you. And you're like, I guess I won't work out today. Bummer. (laughs) No, it's your fault. But when you actually have a plan in place, you are more likely to show up and do it. Okay. Another thing that could be helpful for you is to have some accountability. Now, there's four different layers of accountability. The first layer is to have like a journal or a tracking chart. Put it down in ink. Have something to check off, okay? The second layer is to have an accountability partner. Have someone else, it's not yourself, that's holding you to it, okay? The third thing is having a like-minded community. So being part of a bigger group of people that are kind of working in the same direction, doing the same thing. So you're kind of swept up in the momentum of everyone else around you. And then finally, the fourth piece of accountability is having a coach, someone to come alongside you and guide you and tell you what you need to do. That's usually my role. (laughs) That's what I keep you around for. I know. And then finally, what I recommend is memorize 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a good one. It says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, 
but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let me say that again. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So say this out loud when you are self-sabotaging and getting in your own way and remind yourself that you have the power of self-discipline, not a timid spirit, okay? All right, woo, we have one more question just snuck in here. What is this one? Oh, I didn't see this one. Yeah. It's from Amy, and she asked, how long before your boys launch strong boys or strong kids and continue the family legacy? <laughs> hey, what about strong dads? Come on, Amy. <laughs> I could launch it. You can tell by how I answer the questions. I know what I'm doing. Oh, for sure. What, what would our workouts look like if it was strong dads? What would you put together for us? Oh, I'd have you doing like yard work and stuff like digging a ditch or mowing the lawn or aerating the lawn or fertilizing the lawn because you know the lawn is the most important thing in the world when you're the dad oh yeah or leaf blowing, leaf blowing or installing something or there's all kinds of things we could do oh yeah totally and then the strong boys that just flows right into that i like it get them outside make them do work that's what that's gonna look like Awesome. All right, friends, that wraps this up. Awesome questions, you guys. So make sure to come back next week, okay? Because we are going to be starting a new series all about creating strong foundations for our fitness. You're like, uh, what? Why do, why do I, don't I know? No, 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 you don't know. And we're going to be kicking off the series talking about good posture. Scott's just sat up really straight. Why is it when you see the word posture, it just automatically makes you like, oh, I don't know if you know what actual good posture is. Okay, so let me just say, good posture is way more than just pulling your shoulders back. So you're going to want to come back next week because I want to give you a good, strong foundation in your body by teaching you what good posture actually is. You're not going to want to miss it. So until next time, we'll talk to you later.